We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Last week on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, Fred Zinke said it's not very advantageous to add the first overall pick in a draft. So wouldn't you know it? He was given the first overall pick in the uh, upcoming LABR draft. We'll talk about that and Aces Tears here on the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Greetings, everybody. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast brought to you by Fantrax, uh, where you can sign up for free today and be entered to win an official MLB signed jersey from Vlad Guerrero. Simply go to uh, Fantrax.com slash Rotowire and Underdog, where you can get a free six-month subscription and first deposit match up to $100 with promo code RWMLB. Uh, I'm Jeff Erickson. He is Fred Zinke. We have a lot to talk about. We're going to talk a lot of aces tonight. Uh, and we're also going to talk about uh, draft order and our sl- our respective spots in the upcoming LABR draft. Fred, welcome. How's it going? Good. I you know now that we have some draft slots for labor, um, now I can get a little more detail on on full draft planning and and it, since well, without giving too much away, drafting on the turn this year and how how I'm going to attack that problem. Yeah, uh, I gave it away in the in the title. I told everybody yeah. you got the number one pick. So. Uh, <laughs> No, no suspense on this one here. Um, so uh, there you go. But didn't uh, want, I, actually, I wouldn't say I didn't want the number one pick. It just wouldn't have been my first. It would not have been my first uh, priority. If what's if your last KDS. pick? If you had to, if you're ranking one through fifteen, what would you like the least? That is a great question. Let me just take a look here. If I was ranking one to fifteen, I, f- I'm not really loving like eight, nine, something mm-hmm. in that range. I think you're eight. I just, I just, you're eight. Aren't you in labor? I am eight and I'm okay, good with it. I go mean, ahead. I'm not, I'm not like dumping on your pick. It's not like you picked it or anything. I would not like, like seven, eight, nine. I think okay. once I'm past the top six and I'll put Kyle Tucker in that group, I think once I'm past the top six, then, I, then actually, no, nope, I don't even, once I'm out of the top five, once I'm in the top five, I think I just sit near, I'd rather sit later on. So I, I don't see a lot of difference between the guys from Kyle Tucker through to the end of the first round. And I get the argument for the first round. However, I think there are other tier breaks later on where the middle of the draft is fine. Um, and I like being in the middle from a standpoint of runs and uh, being yep. engaged in the draft. 
I feel like, you know, I, if I miss out on someone and I got 20 picks still to go to get someone to replace that someone, ugh, it's very uncomfortable. Yeah. And we have talked about that, that like maybe I'm thinking too much about the first couple rounds here. Like what I'm kind of thinking is I'd be just as hot, happy with whatever Freeman Guerrero Alvarez, as I would the guys who go a few picks ahead of them. So why not wait? And then obviously on the quick turnaround, I can get someone early in the second round, maybe who I like a little better, whether that's getting my ACE or whatever, Pete Alonzo or someone like that. Um, But maybe, maybe that doesn't matter really doesn't matter as much as I'm giving it credit for and what matters maybe would be just, if I can't be in the top five where I kind of like those five guys, maybe what matters is just sitting in the middle of the draft. Like you said, the whole rest of the way, just for the sake of avoiding runs. Well, sorry, not missing out on runs and right. on, on certain positions and, and just that general flow. We've talked about this for sure a lot last year of, um, like if you're just kind of deciding between player A and player B and you're on a turn, like, or near a turn, like you're, you're not getting player B. If you take right. player A, if you're in the middle of the draft, sometimes you decide between A and B and you're like, ah, oh, you know what? A's got a little earlier ADP. I'll go with him. I kind of have them ranked the same. And then B comes back to you. Yeah. And then you're, you're like, Holy wow. I got them both. So for lack of a better term, I like to call it value catching too. Yeah. Because yes. people are, more inclined to reach for their boutique player or category or need mm-hmm. or react to the, to a run on the ends, knowing that they're, they have a long way away before their next pick. Mm-hmm. Certain players do fall. Yes. Uh, I, I had experience with that last year in the NFPC main event drafting eighth. I felt like uh, I felt there were many times when uh, that I, I'd be able to uh, go ahead and do that. And I, I, I felt like, for instance, Matt Olson, I got in the fourth round. I think some pitching, I think some closers got pushed up uh, and maybe you know, at the time I thought that was a pretty good value considering where I saw him going in other drafts. I was like, yeah, give me, bring it on. And it worked out pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think, I think, so for example, if you were doing a draft and your goal was at the end of the draft, you know how you can see those on the NFBC website, like how mm-hmm. many picks before or after ADP, you made each of your picks, right? So yeah. you can check that out after your draft where you're like, oh, you took this guy six picks earlier than his ADP, or you took this guy eight, you got this guy eight picks later than his ADP. If you were trying to win that game, if you were trying to max that out, you would want to pick in the middle of the draft. Yeah. Like yeah. that, would, yeah. like if I was good, if someone said before the draft, like Fred, I want you to do the draft and I want your goal to be to get the most value versus NFBC ADP as possible. Like, so you're constantly taking people later than their ADP. I would want to sit in the middle of the draft to try to accomplish that. How advisable is such a strategy? Actually, it's probably not that bad. Yeah. Like, like in all honesty, like now, for the last few years, like, like I, I don't know about you, but I have like tremendous respect for NFBC ADP, like yeah. it, the wisdom of the masses. And it is a really good group of masses, especially this time of year. Like if you've been drafting all winter, like you're probably really into this and you know your stuff. So like, I think that ADP list is really good. If, if someone's hanging around way after their ADP and there's not an injury attached to them or something, um, or your draft room's not just weird where like all the closers are hanging around or something, but if it's just a, a random guy, let's say you're doing your draft, we're doing, you're doing a draft and, and Nolan Arenado, I just have, having to have him on my screen right now. His ADP is 34. Like if he's sitting around at 41, like 
it's probably a good value pick at that point. If you're getting someone way lower than NFBC ADP, it's probably a decent idea. I wouldn't just blindly do it because it actually takes the fun out of it for me. Like I'd rather, we've talked about this, but I'd rather make my own list and my own projections and have fun with it and pick from those projections. But I actually think that picking off the ADP list in an NFBC, an ADP list only is not a bad plan. Yeah. I I think it's, if, I, I think if you are uncertain about the player pool, if you're uncertain, especially about certain tiers of players, I think it's a great shortcut. I think at the end, and if you're competing in the NFBC itself, though, I also think, though, that you need to, to dig in and find ways to beat that ADP, too. Uh, oh, absolutely. You're right. Yep. That, that is that is totally true. But it, but it was one of the ways to beat that beat, beat. I guess it wouldn't be beating the ADP. One of the ways to beat your draft to just be to find players who fell. Like just find yeah. players who you're drafting. I, I don't think know, it's a it bad would be idea. Really, it would be really interesting. Yeah. Um, I think if you've played fantasy sports long enough, you've probably been in a league where someone did end up auto picking and then, but then managing their team and winning the league. Like that does happen sometimes yeah. where if the ADP list is good enough, they, they auto pick and it picks them a decent group of players. And then if they, if they run their team properly, the rest of the way, makes smart pickups, etc. you can still win your league. I would not do that. I would not use the ADP at any other site to, to do that. Like, it's just not, there's too many dead teams, auto picks, whatever. But at the NFBC site, I would, I would definitely uh, like strongly think about that. Like I said, I don't do it because for me, it would take all the fun out of it. Yeah, uh, I hear you. And I think the later you go and more news has happened, the harder it is for that to work. Uh, right. You get stuck yes. with everybody who breaks in spring training, for, you know, things like that. Well, yeah. Well, if you were going to use an ADP list, for, you're right. So, for example, if I was doing an NFBC draft on March 25th and I was going to use an ADP list, I would have to run the ADP from like March 20th to March 24th, something like that. Very short window. And even then totally. you get burned on like a Jacob deGrom late breaking news sort of thing. Yeah. And all that. Yes. Yes, but but I think it's like so. For example, last week I talked about how I would not want to draft Bobby Witt and why. And there were some people on Twitter who kind of reacted to that and chatted back and forth a little bit about what my rationale was on, on it. And some of the people who reacted to it didn't listen to the podcast. So that's yeah. always one of those annoying things where people are like, "What? You wouldn't draft him because of this, this, <laughs> this, and this?" And I'm like, yeah. "No, that's not the reason." Did you listen to the podcast? Because I already explained that. But yeah, anyways, exactly. um, if I followed ADP, ADP like I just talked about let's say I'm picking 10th or 9th or something like that in a draft and he's still on the board. Well, he's the guy I would take. Um, that That's why I like to do my own projections. I like sure. to like, and it's more fun for me to actually have an opinion that Bobby Witt is overrated in fantasy drafts this year. Um, like to me that that's the fun part of it for the whatever 20 something years that I've been playing fantasy baseball is yeah. to develop those opinions through research, whether I'm right or wrong and then go with them and see how they turn out. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's funny. And then all of a sudden you get accused of clickbait uh, when they didn't yeah. le- read the article or listen to the podcast or you know, hear the actual reasons why. I think that's always mm-hmm. hilarious there. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Uh, so you have the first pick. Who are you going with? You can tell us now. Yeah, I could. I, I might as well. So right now, and I could change my mind. And, and the, for people listening, like the draft almost, is almost two weeks away. So mm-hmm. wait, it is two weeks away. 
it's, it's not exactly next week, weeks it's two away. weeks away. So so I've got a lot of time where I could change my mind. Right now, I'm, I would take, if it was tonight, I would take Ronald Acuna. So we talked last week about how you don't have him valued as highly as I do. I was right. looking through his like fan graphs projections from a lot of the projection systems just to see if I was way off base. And mm-hmm. I don't think I am. So I think I, I didn't bother running them into my spreadsheet, but I think if I did, like if I just took the average of the, whatever is in there now about six or seven projection systems for him, Turner, judge Ramirez, Julio Rodriguez, I think the Acuna projections would come out either first or second. Yeah, he and he's second in ADP, so it follows. Yeah, uh, yeah. I did it from uh, I I did my own thing. I, I pulled it up uh, from January fifth on to through today. So or fifteenth, excuse me. Mm-hmm. So basically three weeks, three weeks in a day, basically. Um, and Acuna's second. He goes Turner, Acuna, Ramirez, Judge, J Rod. I teased Aaron Judge because I think you brought up the point that I thought that was pretty interesting is that. He's not you're he's not going first more often. You were a little surprised mm-hmm. by that. Uh, yeah, and I haven't ruled out taking him. Yeah. Um yeah, I haven't I haven't ruled it out at all. I have never been an Aaron Judge guy. Like I don't know if I've ever had I don't think I have. I've ever had Aaron Judge on my team. I've I've always been skeptical of his health just mm-hmm. with the, the massive size of him. Um <laughs> Yeah, now I'm, you know, now I'm skeptical about like how much of last year is repeatable. Is he going to steal bases still now that he has this massive contract? What about this whole thing with the baseballs last year for the Yankees games? I don't want to get too wrapped up in that, but right. but obviously his home run total last year just blew all of his previous home run totals out of the water. Um, I'll also say I don't like the Yankees lineups. Fine, that's it. I don't I don't love the Yankees lineup this year. Like it's not bad, but it's. No, I agree. It doesn't excite me. I I, I honestly thought that I expected them to do more on the offensive side of things here in terms of who they brought in. You know, they got Rodon, and that was a good signing, even though we may not like him, love him this year for the price. You know, he's going to help that top end of the rotation. Absolutely. There were times when this lineup really struggled last year, Uh, and it was Judge and only Judge. Yes. Uh, Yes. He he was carrying them last year completely in the second half. Now, Harrison Bader, they'll have for a full season. I actually think he'll help some. Uh, but, you know, it's like Rizzo. How's the back going to be? Stanton was terrible in the second half. Mm-hmm. I don't think people realize the, the extent of how much he faded down the stretch yeah. last year. Uh, Glaber Torres is projected a bad leadoff. I'm not thrilled to be drafting Glaber Torres. Uh, He's just a guy. He's okay. He's fine. Yeah. Yep. You know, look at Hicks. You know, they're counting a lot on like Oswald, Oswald Peraza and Oswaldo Cabrera, who. I was telling Scott uh, on Sunday's podcast, I'm going to mix these two guys up constantly. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> for sure. And I look at the Braves lineup for Acuna and like, it's, it's not the greatest lineup I've ever seen or anything, but, mm-hmm. but I kind of like it. Like, right. like I kind of like it. Like it's Michael Harris is <laughs> exciting. We'll see how the sophomore season goes, but he's exciting. Mm-hmm. Austin Riley's now established as a great player. Uh, Matt Olson is obviously a great hitter. Sean Murphy for a catcher is pretty good is really good actually Ozzy Albies is like he's someone who's like he's not an amazing offensive player but he's good and he's someone who's been a really high fantasy pick at times like I don't know I like the like the bottom couple guys I don't love but that's the same for a lot of teams I don't know I I kind of like that Braves lineup yeah I do too yeah I, I I do too I mean it oh I love the Braves lineup uh, it's probably probably the strongest one through t- one through nine unless it's the Dodgers uh mm. 
or the, I mean, the Phillies, when they get Harper back is going to be pretty sick too. Uh, and the Phillies, obviously yep. they, they start off with the uh, real mutual at catcher too. It's such a huge advantage over the field, you know, having a, a such a plus guy at a, at a scarce position. Yep. Uh, and then, you know, they, obviously they signed Turner too. So that's obviously massive as well, but yeah, I don't love the Yankees lineup. I'm with you on that. So yeah, they, 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 you know, if judge is merely very good, well then, yeah, they're going to be hurting. He has to be great. That's right. Yeah. And, and I still, and then this is something I've been trying to check myself on too. I think of Aaron judge is injury prone and I don't think of Ronald Acuna is injury prone. And maybe to me, like Acuna is a guy who's had one awful injury. Whereas judge had like three years or so of just getting banged up a lot now, but, but maybe I need to change my thought on that because judge the last two years has been really healthy. Maybe I'm not giving Acuna enough credit for having had a torn knee. Um, but I don't think of Acuna as injury prone, but like I said, cause, because outside of that tourney, he's been pretty durable. Um, I struggle with the phrase prone. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. He has I, been injured. Judge has. Absolutely. Uh, I yes. mean, unless there's something about like his size that leads him to be injured more frequently, I, I guess, or, but you could argue Acuna's style of play, his all out style of play lends himself to being injured more often. Damn, Judge ran last year too. He stole bases. Um, it's it's a tough yeah. call. It's yeah. a really tough call. And Acuna was his power was hurt a lot last year with him trying to recover from injury. He stole a lot of bases. Yep, but he didn't have the same sort of power that he had before. Yeah, dra- drafting Acuna is just uh, a belief that the first full season back from this knee injury, he'll go back to being at least a thirty homer guy, if not a thirty five. Like like before this. Like if you look at his, his 2021, he was on pace for like say 46 home runs. Mm-hmm. And then in the shortened season, if you prorate that out again, he's on pace for, I don't know, like say 35, something like that. The 2019, I know that's happy fun ball, but he hit, he hit 41. His rookie year, he hit 26 and 111 games. Like that prorates out into like, like easily into the mid thirties. So um, like he, other than last year, he's consistently averaged those other four years out kind of prorate the ones that he, he didn't play all the games Like he probably profiles as like a 40 homer type guy, high thirties at least. And then last year he hit 15 and 119 games. So it's, it's almost like just me believing that a guy who's only 25 years old, there's no way that power is just gone because of a knee injury. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree. And, I, and the fact is I'll, I may not be exactly where you're at on Cunha uh, or where the masses are, but I'm not, like way behind. It's not, there, there's not a scenario. I mean, there is, I should say, let me rephrase it. There is a scenario out there where I, where I would take them. Um, and I might be more inclined to do so in an auction than I would be in a, in a snake draft. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, right now I would have him behind the other top guys in that tier. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and what's holding you back on that? Is that the knee and the power concerns? Yeah. And batting average, too, is tied with that. Because if he's not hitting for that crazy power, he's not helping you in batting average. So, right. you know, he, he's got to do everything else. Right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I kind of have him, Judge, Jose Ramirez, Julio Rodriguez out of that group, like all kind of similar in batting average. I have some like 10 points higher or whatever, but I have them all within a range of about 10, 10 batting average points. So at that point, you're just like flipping a coin in that category. And then I have Turner as a, like as separated from those guys in batting average. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I can yeah. buy that. Um, so yeah, it should be interesting to see what you do. Uh, we're going to live stream uh, at least the first 
couple of hours yeah for sure of labor in two weeks so uh, that should be super fun that'll be i think about uh you know maybe i want to say eight o'clock eastern time i think is we're going to do that we'll 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 know exactly but uh that that's something that we're we're really looking forward to doing we did that last year i will definitely try to get a third man in the booth too uh maybe we'll get get convinced joe sheehan to do a live draft also so we have all three ends of the draft yeah that would be fun um We'll see. We'll see. Maybe we'll bring in like I think Jason Collette joins us last year too. So that was a lot of fun. And Todd Zola's done it one of the years, maybe yeah. last year or two. Or I think or so. I think so. Um, okay. Before we leave it though, pick eight. What do you think of? So uh, in the world of my oyster, there. I mean, I'm going to have a lot of different choices. Yep. <coughs> Tucker, if he gets to me, sure. Sure. Be happy to do that. Probably doesn't. Unlikely. Yeah. I'd be very happy to take Otani. I'd be happy to take Jordan Alvarez there. I think that's eight guys right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. If I, those are your, if those are your next two, then you're done. There's, you don't have to think about it. I think else. the question is, am I willing to take Otani? Um, I think I probably am. Uh, or I could, I could go Mookie. I could go Vlad. I could go Soto. I could even go Freddie Freeman, to be honest. I, I, I don't think I'd go Bobby Witt. I did that once in a 12 teamer already, and I've got enough exposure to him. The reasons that you brought up, yeah, uh, that that resonated with me. I did listen to that podcast. Yeah, so uh, he's the worst hitter in the first round, yeah. without a doubt. Like, well, at least like based on last season and based on projections for this season. Sure, he's the worst hitter in the first round. Pure sure. hitter, at least the least accomplished. How about that? Yeah, but even the projection systems for this year aren't profiling him as having a, for example, an OPS or right. WRC plus that compares to guys like Guerrero Freeman. I know he steals bases though. So that, that is another part of the puzzle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I, I, I think I, I, you know, probably Jordan Alvarez is who I'm going to end up with then. I, right. I understand with the understanding that I'm going to have to find speed somewhere else. Uh, but that's okay. Cause I got Jordan Alvarez and there's a lot of goodness that comes with that. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, you'll just have to, like you said, you could, you could, you can do a lot of things. You could, you could look at JT Real Muto in the second round, which would get you speed advantage in a totally different way where you get a 15 to 20 steel catcher. Mm-hmm. Um, like he, he'll probably be available when it comes back to you. You could look at, uh, well, Betts will probably be gone. Machado's probably gone. Just looking at guys who steal bases. Tatis could still be there if the room's risk averse. And if you were interested, and there's guys like Lindor. Who there's would still a small be there. chance Bichette will be there. Um, yeah, there, there's, there. I really like the choices I'll have at 23. Really right. like it. You I, could go I'm, Mike Trout. That would be a fun one. Talk oh, about, yeah. talk but, about, like if you started with Jordan Alvarez and Mike Trout, you'd have no steals, but talk about a, two like you could have like the two best hitters in baseball two high average power guys yes yeah um that could be super fun yeah i could i could really uh i could dream on that one a little mm-hmm. bit there mm-hmm. uh so yeah th- those are th- I, I definitely have those choices so that that's going to be a, that'd be super fun mm-hmm. um so i like it there uh bichette we got to mention him uh but before we talk about bichette and his contract with the jays a uh, quick note uh from our friends uh over uh, we got uh, our friends over at underdog the fantasy baseball season is underway, and there is no better place to play than Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy baseball. Right now, Underdog has MLB Best Ball Tournaments live, including the Dinger, which has $500,000 in total prizes. In Bus Ball, all you do is join a contest, draft your team, and that's it. There are no waivers, no trades, and no in-season management. 
Draft 20 rounds of players and get the cumulative, best cumulative scores in your starting lineup, which is three pitchers, three infielders, three outfielders, and a flex each week of the regular season. Getting started is simple. Go to underdogfantasy.com, sign up with a promo code RWMLB, and not only will Underdog double your initial deposit up to $100, but you'll also get six months of our RotoWire subscription for free. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy, promo code RWMLB. Draft your $100,000 dinger team today. Jeff Erickson here with Fred Zinke. We are doing the RotoWire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. We're talking aces in a second. However, before we do that, it just got announced when we were doing the Sirius XM show today, Fred, that uh, the Jays avoided arbitration with Bo Bichette, signed him to a three-year deal. Yeah, I haven't seen, I don't know if you've seen it, I haven't found, or I hadn't when we started doing the podcast, um, like terms of the deal right. yet. Um, it seems like that this was just a, a plan with them and Bichette's representatives to wipe <coughs> out the rest of the years that they could potentially go to arbitration yeah, figure out something fair right now because they're so good now at just projecting what his arbitration numbers will look like the next three years. Um, right. And it gets them out of doing the arbitration hearing this year. So I haven't seen the numbers on that. It doesn't change too much with Bichette as far as like, they're not, I don't think this contract doesn't take away years of free agency from him. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just kind of them agreeing. But it, Bo Bichette, it does bring up an interesting talking point on him in that he's someone who, Last year was picked in the top five in a lot of leagues. He was disappointing for most of the first five months of the season. His May was like pretty good. His other months were like, okay, but like, but disappointing for sure. Um, And then he made some changes to his approach in September. That that was talked about on Blue Jays broadcast a lot, whether, whether that was, is real or something they were just kind of trying to give him credit for, but he went bananas in September. He hit four Oh three with seven homers and 27 RBIs. So that is quite the month. Um, So obviously that's not sustainable for him, but it really rescued a lot of his fantasy value. It got him back to the first round this year. Right. Um, He's someone who I've been a little bit torn on as far as if I had a late pick, like would I go after him or not? I have him ranked as though he would be a good option around the turn. I just, I I think I would do it. Yeah. Right. It's a balance. It's shortstop, which isn't great because shortstop's pretty deep, but it's a really nice balanced skill set to start your team. You're getting an average of 290 ish. You're getting 20 something homers. You might get 20 steals, 15 steals, something like that. The Blue Jays lineup will be good. You'll get plenty of runs. It should get plenty of runs in RBIs. I don't know. Do you, do you like him if you were picking 14th, 15th or something? Um, you know, I, I think, I think I do. It's, it's tough. It's, it's a pretty close call. I'm trying to look at some of my alternatives there. I prefer Machado. We talked about Freeman. Of course, I prefer Freeman because I'm almost considering Freeman at eight. Um, yep. The Shed versus Tatis is a very interesting discussion. I would take I would take Freeman just for the record as well. Yeah. The Shed just versus a better, Tatis. Just a better player. Yeah. What do you do with uh, those two shortstops? Shortstop? Well, First of all, and, and by the way, Tatis does qualify at shortstop in most leagues that I've seen, even though he, cause he didn't play a, an inning last year. Mm-hmm. So there's a question mark. Where does he qualify? He's going to be, I think he's going to be shortstop and outfield, at least in the NFBC. Mm-hmm. So are you willing to take Tatis at the turn and, you know, ahead of Bichette or would you take either both? What would you do? Right either? now? Yeah. Off my projections right now, I would, just take Bichette. I mm-hmm. haven't built in 
say even three weeks. Okay, so let's say I just doing some quick math on here, built in three weeks of replacement value. I can do that, no problem. Nobody will see how the sausage is made except for me, but yeah. um, I still, three weeks of replacement level value in, in like a 15 team league, I still have Bichette ranked a little higher. I, I have been like a little hard on Tatis because it's not just the suspension, right? It's yeah. coming off the injuries too. Yeah, for sure. I, I think I would just play it safe if it was just down to the two of them and take Bichette. Yeah. I think, what about you? I think I would too, but I think there, there's still risk inherent in Bichette too. Um, that's the tricky part. Um, mm, yeah. I, you know, I, I might, I, I might look at a pitcher here too. That's where I, you know, I, I think I might say, okay, well I'll just give me Garrett Cole instead. You know, I might go that route. Cause I'm not, cause I think it's interesting. We're going to talk aces here in a second. Um, and how to handle them this year because it's different than we've seen in in, re, in recent years. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that you know we're we're seeing not not nearly as much ace inflation as we saw in uh, that we've seen in previous years. And I wonder if that's going to change in March. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really unsure this year. So usually that happens. And if we do get some injuries at the very top of the pitcher pyramid, I guess I could see that happening. But when I look through the pitchers, like I just feel like, I don't know. Everybody seems to have Corbin Burns first. I I do. Do you? I think I go Cole over Burns. Okay. 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 So but I guess so it's, not everybody. I'd be the nice guy and take whichever, you know, take the second starter. Uh, but you know, I, I, I'm fine with either of them. Yeah. And that's the thing is um, you can't like, oh, actually I'm wrong. So in the last week or so, well, I think it's more one draft has really pushed Cole. Cole went sixth in one NFBC yep. draft. I was kind of looking at the last week or so. Um, anyways, their ADPs are pretty comparable. Um, yeah, like you can't really say in that scenario, you can't really say like, I'll just take the one who's left because you're going to have your draft spot. And if they're both there, you got to pick one. <laughs> you can, yeah. you, if you're saying I'll take the one who's left, you're not taking either of them. You're taking whoever's available in the next round. Um I do find though that after though after that, like it just seems to be a big pile of, and this was something I want to talk about tonight, like a big yeah. pile of really really good, exciting starters, who I think can be a lot of them can be grouped into really high ceiling, but I'm not sure how many innings I'm going to get, or really high floor but I'm not sure if they could actually challenge for like number one or two overall starting pitcher. Yeah, I'd agree. I mean, it's definitely the top two and then that, that, that those gap and that, that, that dynamic you expressed. Well, let's talk about the ultimate high ceiling floor is lava guy. And that's Jacob deGrom Mm -hmm. now in Texas five-year deal. You know, if you're talking to like Rick and Glenn, like uh, you know, our, our good friends uh, in their system, they would not touch the ground this year. First year of a big contract, new location, and injury history. Yee, I can I can see shying the heck away from that. But then again, if you're getting at tw- pick 27, pick 29, you're getting a little bit of a haircut, a little bit of a discount. Is that enough of a discount for you, Fred Zinke, to take him? No, I don't think so. I think I'm just. I think I'm just not in this year and he could end up being like the ultimate league winner. I get it. 
I think I'm just, I think I'm just not in this year. Maybe if I was in a contest, like some of the overall con- NFBC contests, I, I can totally see it in that. Especially maybe ones with like small buy-ins mm-hmm. and a massive amount of entries and, and an overall component. I get it there. So let's say, for example, let's say he falls one more spot and he falls to 30 in labor. Like I could have Acuna and DeGrom. I could have someone who if DeGrom stays healthy, I could maybe have the best hitter and the best pitcher. That's if you were in a, like one of those, like ones with like a low, low buy-in massive contest, I could see how that would be really appealing, but I don't think, I don't think I'm going to do it. I, I, I know I'm just picking These are just arbitrary numbers, but I put them at 140 innings in my projections. What, where did you go? I just, you know, funny thing is I just adjusted him today and I have him at 136. Yeah. And he's pitcher 15 for me. Oh, really? For me, he's pitcher six at 140 innings. I don't know how much he would move up if you gave him even just five more innings. It might. So this is the thing. They're all so bunched that if you gave him even five more innings, which for him also means about eight more strikeouts, seven more strikeouts, um, he he might actually leapfrog a couple of pitchers because it is so tight. I'm still um, tweaking it to be honest, yeah, but yeah. like there's, I see a couple of guys that listed ahead of him. This is strictly based on the projections. He's listed as pitcher 15. Yeah. I think when push comes to shove, I push him a little higher than that because of the upside and replacement value. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like, but if you don't have, but truthfully, yeah, if you don't have him inside your top three or four starting pitchers, then you're not taking him. Probably because not. that's where he's going to go. <laughs> you're going to be so. faced with that decision. So I have Degrom at 25 starts. I have him at 11 wins. I do have a little degradation in performance too. I think new location maybe doesn't throw as hard as he has in the past. I've got him right. at three hundred four and oh nine oh four in terms of his ratios, which that's that's worse than his three year three year average, three year weighted average. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, how about this one? Is a fun one because these two guys are really high ceiling. Degrom or Strider, and the ADP is very similar. There's plenty of risk with Strider too. Um, yep. Boy, you're talking about ceiling guys, though. Mm-hmm. I, I go Strider, I think. I think the tiebreaker is a better team. Okay. I, I'm thinking Strider as well. I think for me, the, the way I feel about this is, so Strider's not going to throw a massive amount of in, innings, like like 190 or something. I could be shocked at that. Like he threw mm-hmm. 130 last year. Maybe he goes 160, 170 this year. Um, I just don't see him throwing a massive amount of innings, but, but, I, but there, there's just, I feel like there's no way DeGrom throws a massive amount of innings either. So yeah. even, even if he stays mostly healthy, like I still think he doesn't push past what Strider goes, can get to if he's healthy. I just think with Strider, there's probably a much better, cha- much better chance of him being healthy. They both strike out batters at a crazy rate per inning. Um, they both should have great ratios. I don't know. I think I would rather, go with the young guy Degrom's also becoming it's not just injury prone kind of no spring chicken anymore like he's going to turn 35 before this season is half over so just if you're looking for him him to like reverse these recent injuries you're, you're talking about a 34 35 year old reversing them it's yeah. possible pitchers can last a long time but like say like there's guys like Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, who have lasted a really, really long time and are still aces, but those guys didn't have this injury track record like DeGrom when they were in their early thirties. True. True. Where like, uh, where like multiple years, their, 
they're missing massive amounts of time. Yeah, that's true. Uh, well, it's funny that Verlander had lost that, that two seasons so late in his career uh, and then bounced back to have the season he had last year. You never see that. That's the thing that's so amazing is to come back that late in a career and be so dominant. So, okay. So Verlander, I find him to be maybe right up, maybe the most interesting of the aces. Like, is he going to do this again? He doesn't have to do this again and still be worth the cost that he's costing. Like yep. I'll take Verlander over to Grom. Okay. Yeah. So for example, Verlander threw 175 innings last year. Like, can he throw 175 again or even 165? I think there's almost a better chance this year, a full year removed from the injury. Maybe. Yeah. I know he's a full year older, which when you're a 40 year old, which he's about to be, um, is a big problem. Like you're, so you're actually at this point taking a 40 year old. I I'm with you. I'll do it, but you're taking yeah. a 40 year old and expecting him to be your ace. Yeah. And he's pitcher 12 right now. Yep. I mean, yeah. I, and I that, did. well, that's including a couple of closers in there. That's so starting pitcher 10. Okay. The Diaz and uh class a are in that mix too, mm-hmm. but yeah, you're getting him a full round in the NFBC, 15 uh, players, later than you're getting to Grom. And I would take Verlander straight up over to Grom. Um, I think I might take to Grom, but it's, it's close. It's close. This is why this discussion I find really interesting. These pitchers and mm-hmm. we're just scratching the surface on them, but these pitchers are all in a massive pile. And like we put Strider in that pile too. And right. And I can keep rolling. Yeah. I can, put, if you want to go for another, like a little bit of a boomer bus guy, I can put Max Scherzer Verlander's yeah. new teammate in that pile. Like, like I think he's right on par with those guys, and he goes even, even a little bit later than them. Yeah, I, I well, he's shown more wear lately in terms of performance, as well as health. I, I'm a little bit, you know, but I still probably have some. I'll probably have some Scherzer. I've got Scherzer for 163 innings this year. Right, I think that's fair. I think I don't know if he's shown that that much wear. Like the the shortened season, he he wasn't good, but mm-hmm. since like the last two years, like twenty twenty one, he threw one hundred and seventy nine innings, two forty six ERA, point eight six WHIP. Last year, only one hundred and forty five innings, but two twenty two twenty nine ERA and a point nine one WHIP. Like yeah. his his aggregate across the past two years would be roughly like a 230 high 230s 230s era and a whip of about 0.88 yeah and a, and a good strikeout rate like if he can get to 160 165 innings his numbers suddenly look really good i'll tell you two uh floor guys that i'm gonna end up with a lot of because i think they get discounted because they're floor guys mm-hmm. julio urias okay the projection systems don't like him. Nope. And nor, nor does the ADP compared to what he's done the last few years. Compared, you know, last year, he was a guy going at the 2-3 turn, maybe early third round, right? Yep. Sometimes even early. In I, I was going to say round. I was gonna say early third, sec, late second, early third in the late drafts, like the main event drafts. I got him in the second round in my, my second like main mid- event. I, right. I took yep. him like mid-second. And and it, you're right. It, at this point last year, he was a mid third, and by the end, he was into the second, well into the second round. And all he did was go two sixteen oh nine six with seventeen wins, mm-hmm. fewer strikeouts than the year before. I get that might be a concern. I know early on there was a little scares about the shoulder, but he finished strong. Yep. 
he didn't he didn't uh, fritter away down the stretch. He was he finished really well down the stretch. Um, he didn't allow more than two runs in any given start since July 10th. Mm-hmm. I. I, I don't understand why the systems and the drafters are discounting him so much. I, I'm going to get him a lot. I think he's the pitching equivalent of, of Dansby Swans Dansby in 2021. He did exactly what we're looking for and yet he's getting discounted. I'll, I'll take him. Yeah, you're right. Like if you believe in him, then your play has to be to just let everyone else basically let everyone else take their ace and then you get another in. stud hitter in those, those first couple of rounds. I mean, right. And you need more than one ace. Let's be clear. Yep. Um, you know, you need at least two or three pitchers in the first 10, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I got a value take there. The other guy of a similar bent that I'm going to get a lot of is you Darvish. Uh, I, he, he's getting severely discounted and I'm yep. not quite sure why. Um, uh, He's, he's pitcher 30 and I, and I, you know, there's some closers mixed in there. So I don't know, you know, how that compares to others, but last year, again, 310 ERA 0.95 whip, 197 strikeouts. The K percentage went down. That would be the argument. But the trade-off was the ERA was better. The whip was insanely good. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he cut down on his walks, only 37 walks on 194 innings last year. I'm you, Somehow, you Darvish has become unsexy. I and mean, we're talking about the guy with the gyro ball. He was talking about the guy that everybody was so excited to see his 1700 different pitches. Why are people cooling off on you Darvish? It's a, it's a really good point. And like, 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 so in a 15 team league, you could go round four, Urias, and round six, seven. You could comfortably go seven, you Darvish. Yeah. That would allow you to either draft a stud closer to go with them mm-hmm. or to draft hitters in rounds one, two, three, and five and have four really good hitters to start your team. And and they, and still have, yeah. uh, like in your rankings, probably like twin aces of Urias and Darvish. Yeah. So uh, just a fair warning, I I see that path happening for me in labor. Although that's a different crowd than the NFBC, and I always have to remind myself of that. Uh, but for once, the NFBC crowd isn't pushing aces all that much, at least in the first round, and even the second round, I've seen a little bit of a, a little bit of a drop off as well. We got a lot more of these guys to talk about. We're, we're talking aces right now. Uh, we'll do a little bit more of this here, we're trying to make it not just NFBC centric, but even though that is often a go-to for when we look at it there, because we, I mean, great players we play against. Really good ADP, and there's an overall contest that does skew a little bit there. But, uh, you know, besides that, um, it, it's something that, that uh, interests me. But I want to talk about some of these other ceiling guys, ceiling versus floor guys. We'll talk about that with Fred. But first, a quick note from our friends at Fantrax. Uh, it's the most customizable flat fantasy platform in the industry. It offers the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty, keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. Are you coming from another service? Fantrax makes it easy. Fantrax can import any of your current leagues and customize if needed. Fantrax offers the most in-depth player pool in the industry, including minor league players. Has a great auction room, by the way. Uh, we've used, uh, you know, during COVID for yep. the Wars auction leagues, we used that, and it's worked like a charm. Uh, do you need a customizable commissioner service for your fantasy league? Fantrax offers more customization than any other platform. Waivers, category, scoring system, schedule. Fantrax offers custom solutions for all that and more, and it's all free. 
Sign up for free today and be entered to win an official MLB signed jersey from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Simply go to Fantrax.com slash Rotowire and sign up today. That's F-A-N-T-R-A-X dot com slash Rotowire. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. Also, real quick, uh, our, our uh, podcasts are always on the Blue Wire Network. Here are a couple of their ads. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right. Thank you for your indulgence without that. Taking care of business. Big thanks to Fantrax and Blue Wire. We appreciate them both. All right. So we're talking aces here with Fred and talking about the floor guys versus the ceiling guys. Here's a ceiling guy. Dylan Cease. I had no Dylan Cease last year. I knew I, I wasn't like anti-Cease, but there was always someone in the room that was one of his biggest proponents. So I just never seemed to get him. What say you? as far as uh, Dylan Cease for this year? So, yeah, he's an interesting one. Um, so you, I have to use the pun. You decided to desist on Cease yes. last year. Yes, go for it. Good man. I could, I, sorry, it took me like an extra second there to just fully process how I was going to deliver it. Yes, so of course. I, but anyways, it's out there. I'm sure I'm sure at least three people who are listening enjoyed it. Um, anyways, uh, Cease is interesting to me because he was – so good last year mm-hmm. but i find a lot of like i'm hearing on a lot of podcasts people say you know talk do you like dylan cease at his adp and i hear i find like all the analysts i hear say no 
So someone likes him at his ADP because people are draft. That is his ADP. People are drafting him at that ADP, but I'm not hearing people step up and say, yeah, I like this guy at his ADP. He, I finding a lot of people saying that, you know, the walk rate still concerns them that he was, was quite fortunate on batted balls last year. Mm-hmm. And basically that this won't continue. Sure. He's not going to have a 220 ERA again, but his FIP last year was 303. Could he have a three flat ERA? That's pretty good. What do you, what do you have for him? Um, I've got him at three oh two. Ironically, I'm at three point one. Okay, so we're pretty close there. It's the uh, whip. It's the, for me. It's the whip that keeps him out of my top. Like like kind of pushes him more around the the ba- like the back end of my top ten, like tenth ish. Um, because I just we haven't seen even last year when everything was going right for him because of the walk rate. His whip was one eleven. His career whip's 126. I know that doesn't totally matter. I've got him at 121. Okay, I'm a little lower than that. I'm in the t- like 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 117. But but either way, every pitcher I have ranked ahead of him has a significantly better whip. And actually, if I scroll down my sheet, like the next five pitchers or so I have below him also have a significantly better whip. Yeah. So it's it's the whip <laughs> that is concerning me. Um, and that's a, that is a category that I do prioritize a lot in the first round because we know ERA is more fickle. We know wins are very fickle. Like typically strikeouts and whip are two categories I, I really like to, to nail down early on. So I get, I don't think I'll have any cease as long as his ADP stays where it is because I think I would rather mess around with some of the guys we've already mentioned like Verlander. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm I'm absolutely with you on that. So I I think I'm even lower than you are on him. I, I it's the walks. It really is the walks. Yep, yep. And I don't see that changing to any great degree. Yeah. So so if he was late, like if he fell another round, but it'd have to be like another round, then I would be interested. But that's not going to happen. So that's I. So anyways, I find the whole thing with him fascinating because, like I said, like a lot of I don't hear podcasters saying. Yes, I'm the guy who's taking Dylan Cease. I always hear them saying, no, I'm not taking him at his ADP. But like I said, ADP comes from somewhere. Some smart people are taking him. Yeah. Uh, you know, like th- this winter so far in these NFBC drafts. These aren't guys who just signed up at the last second and didn't put any thought into this. Like, yeah. People, there's people out there who really like him. And the strikeout rate is, is really good. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the K's. I mean, you're getting such a big bump in K's with him. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's the thing that's so attractive. And, you know, there, there's that, and, you know, he, he got the 200, he had the 2-2 ERA. The funny thing is, I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm misremembering his season. Like, I thought, like, the end of the season was a little shakier than it was. Yeah, no, not really. He powered through pretty well, right? Yeah. Just, and so, to me, that's like, that's yeah, a... Yeah, well, 113 that's, ERA in September. Maybe you're just, maybe you're just remembering that one October start, five innings, four runs, which isn't yeah. that bad, but he had Two one bad start. But in that one. Other yeah. than his, his September was terrific. His August was good, but not great. And then he came roaring back in September. Let me ask you this, though. Does the balance schedule, uh, taking away yep. you know, six games from every team in the AL Central, does that change your opinion at all of him? Mm, like maybe a little bit um it might be like a tiebreaker but but i have brandon woodruff ranked right beside him and his adp is like basically right beside him and you could say the same thing on woodruff oh yeah it it might even be a bigger thing this year as far as bigger impact as far as that goes yeah 
Yeah, I do feel like I know this. I've tr- I haven't over. I haven't ranked the schedule thing as like a major factor, especially early in drafts. Like I'm, like I'm looking for the pitchers who I think are the best pitchers. Yeah, obviously factoring in innings as well and durability. But, but I like, like, like out of Dylan Cease and Brandon Woodruff, I'd rather not get into the schedule. I'd rather just try to figure out which one of them I think is the best, the best pitcher. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Brandon Woodruff. I mean, there's the shoulder. That's the thing that kind of cools yeah. me a little bit about him. Uh, yeah, I don't <laughs> think I'm going to have any Cease or Woodruff this year. And there's plenty of pitchers in that range. That's the thing. You can. So, that's the one thing I like about, about up here is like, okay, I don't want C. You, you just say, I'm not going to take any Cease, not going to take any Woodruff. Okay, so that means instead of Cease, I'll take Rodon. Oh, wait, you're not going to take Rodon. But I'll take Verlander. Or like I said, I'll take Urias and I'll take uh, Darvish a lot. Um, I'll take Scherzer. Scherzer's going – I'd take Scherzer before Cease. Yep, same here. Right. But their ADP is not even close. Yeah, they are. They're right next to each other. Scherzer and Cease? Oh, maybe I'm using – yep, you're right. I'm looking at an older one when I see that. You're right. Scherzer has moved up. You're right. And Cease has moved down a bit. in the last... So Cease has actually moved down a bit from where he was at earlier – in 2023 and Scherzer's that moved up a little bit. So you're right. They've come together. If okay. you went and looked up, say the first half of January, I'm pretty sure the gap between them is, is pretty significant. That's and then it's come back together. I yeah. was looking at a, a different list that I had for, with, with ADP data that was a little older, but yeah, you're right. They, I would take Scherzer for sure. That's kind of like the end of a tier. And there's like take about Julio a... Arias overseas and give up all those strikeouts. Probably. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I probably would. I mean, it would require, though, that I get, you know, I, I get that second starter sooner or yep. maybe a third starter sooner or, or just get, you know, I if I'm going my Urias and Darvish route, that means I'm getting a stud closer and I'm getting a second closer because, mm-hmm. I you know, I'm, I'm kind of sacrificing the first tier of aces. And so maybe you make up for that by getting two and three, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're getting your second starter when some people are getting a third. Um, but that that's the that's the trade-off, and you make up for it in volume. So you get the, the stud closers early, so you're not chasing closers in the teens, which I don't like to do anyhow. Yep, I yeah, I agree. Yeah, that this is the way you can play it off a little bit. I'm interested mm-hmm. to see how this evolves in leagues as we get deeper <laughs> into into like what I would say like the real draft season. Mm-hmm. Um, will people play off the fact that? this group of aces once you get past Burns and Cole is so bunched. Will they, will they play off that to say, will, will everybody say I'm waiting? I'll take who's left. And then that gives them a chance, for example, to draft Emmanuel class a or to draft another stud hitter or something like that. Um, yeah. And then you, I think you could be in draft rooms where seven people are saying that. So the pitchers just aren't going. Yeah. Yep. That's true. Right. And so- everybody's waiting. Yeah, that that's true. I, I almost wonder if everybody's doing that. Is her? Is there? Uh, and nobody is talking doing pocket aces this year. No, I, I maybe I shouldn't say nobody. You know, it's always I haven't heard a lot of people talking about doing pocket aces this year. And you know, you can it's reflected in the ADP. Is there an advantage? You know, most strategies work better alone than when three yep, other people absolutely. are trying the same thing. Yep, this is a good it's, year to do it. Yep. And you don't have to use your first two picks on it. In fact, you don't have to use either of your first two picks on it, right? You can go pocket aces in the 
in three, four, in three, four, exactly. And in three, you could take, I don't know, let's just take a quick, you could take, uh, Aaron Nola, you could take, um, probably not Strider. Well, you could take Strider if it's early, you could take Woodruff, right. And then mm-hmm. you could come right back. Shane McClanahan, if you want to take him and then you come back in round four and take Urias, take or Bieber. Uh, Scherzer would be tight. Yeah. It wouldn't quite make it a 14. You take Shane Bieber, something like that. Is that pocket aces to you? I think it is to me. It's not in the traditional sense of like the strategy, but yeah, it kind of like is. Like Nola and Urias. To me, that's pocket aces. Yeah. Right? Like, I, like it's not like Cole and, Cole and Burns on the one-two turn or something, but to me, that's still pocket aces. Yeah. Right. Right. And that's a, and that's a good start. Like I think Nola and Urias is a good start to your pitching staff. Yeah, it is. Like it for is. you picking eighth in labor, for example, I think you could pretty much pull that off. You could start with, if you wanted to, you could start with two hitters and then take those two pitchers. Right. Yeah. Not a bad play. And then you're not playing catch up from that point forward. You still need a closer, but you're not play, really playing catch up from that point forward where you're like, oh, next round, like I have to take a pitcher. I just have so little pitching or vice versa. So, or I've got this pitcher at the top of my list, but already got three starters i can't i can't take another one like if you started two really good hitters like we were talking about jordan alvarez and then someone else in round two and then those two starting pitchers i think that gives you like a really wide group of options for the next few rounds it does to just hold your best value picks (laughs) on your projections yeah i could i could see myself going jordan and cole somehow cole slips to that but i doubt he slips that far but I, i think in our labor draft he might yeah, I can see that. that well, if he is, does, then I'll take advantage of it. Yeah, that league is not a pitching heavy group. I I, yeah. I could see it. Yeah. yeah, I did try something a little crazy uh, in the first pitch Arizona Speakers League. Uh, it's a draft champions league where we don't have pickups. Mm-hmm. I went Jordan Alvarez to start, and I think I got him at like pick eleven or so, which I was pretty happy about. Mm-hmm. And then went five pitchers, two of the stud closers and three starters in there. And Cole was one of them. And just decided then I was just, and then I was just going to bludgeon. I went hitter, 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 filled all my hitting spots after that. Yep. And then finally went back to pitchers after that. I had my core five that I knew I'd start every week. Yep. And then just tried to go volume elsewhere. We'll see if it works, but Not I just wanted to strategy. get, I, I, I thought it was super fun to draft too. Because yep. I was kind of out of sequence of everybody else. There's a lot of pitchers yep. going when I was taking hitters and vice versa. So, no, I'm missing out on some of those top hitters in rounds two through six so i mean there's a huge trade-off there but i figure if i'm gonna get a lot of at bats that's one of the things i think it's a really cool idea and you're someone who drafts a lot of teams so why not take the odd team and try and if especially if the draft board just starts falling in a certain direction and try something with it yeah yeah, yeah. well i liked it i liked it, yeah. it was super fun yeah. um you know, we'll see if I get enough speed and if I get the right hitters, obviously, but I'm kind of counting on a lot of playing time. And that that's one of the things I like about that there. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's ask before we sign off here, let's get a couple more of your takes, a couple more pitchers. Uh, Spencer Strider, we've mentioned him a couple of times, but I haven't really gotten the comprehensive Fred Zinke tra- take on Spencer Strider because I think you're contemplating taking him at that two, three turn. It's a, it's, it's, it's been considered. Yeah. It's been considered. Yeah. I think, I think he's really good. I, it's the innings uh, right now. I have him at a generous projection of 170. I don't know if he quite gets there after 130 last year, but I could see it. I think it's possible. Um, I'm at 163, by the way. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think that's where I am. I'm kind of debate. Like I said, like I feel like the 170 is pretty generous. I think I could justify maybe anything from 160 to 170. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think, I think a healthy strider gets to 160, but it's just how much they let him go past that. So, anyways, no, I, I, I would be very open to taking him. And this is again where picking on the turn is good, but kind of is like I actually don't really want to take a pitcher on the two three turn because I don't like those pitchers any more than the ones that someone else can get on the three, four turn. But I kind of have to, because if I wait for the four five turn, like a, like a lot of names that pretty much, pretty much every name we've discussed so far is gone. We'll see about that. I don't know. Again, it's not a pitcher heavy league, this group. Right. often, So maybe someone like Urias makes it, makes it all the way to the four or five turn. So at least by ADP. Again, yeah, Urias, Bieber, Luis Castillo, Kevin Gossman. Those are your starting pitchers. Christian Javier and Alec Manoa. We'll throw him in, although Manoa goes around 70, so it's a little bit middle of the fifth. But mm-hmm. if you're going to get Manoa, you'd have to take him at the 4-5 or five turn. You're not going to get him at the 6-7 turn. So right. we'll throw him in there. And I know you mentioned Manoa in the outline anyhow, so throw that name out there too. Those aren't bad guys to go double up on them. I mean, I think there's some ones I like better than others. Yep. No, I agree. I think uh, I, I think doubling up on those guys. Like, would you, so would you double up on them as your aces? Yeah, I think you could. Yeah. Uh, on the four on the four or five turn. Now you're macking out a draft strategy for me. Like, could I double up on whatever Luis Castillo and uh, maybe I can get Luis Castillo and Zach Wheeler in this draft? That would be wonderful. I'd love. I like Wheeler a lot. And that's after then. Then at that point, I started with Ronald Acuna and two other hitters on the two-three turn. Right. So, it's not a bad group. Yeah, and then then maybe you come back in on that six-seven turn. I haven't really looked at what's available. Sorry, the yeah, the six-seven turn. Wait, am I? Yeah, I'm doing that right. Yep. On the six-seven turn, maybe you come back with another pitcher, at least one. Maybe you yeah. Darvish, for example. He's around. That's where he goes. Yeah, He's somewhere yeah. in there. So, I'll just have to know that if I want Darvish, I'm going to have to take him in the sixth now. Um, but because you won't <laughs> let me get him in the seventh. Uh, unless, of course, you went two starters at four or five, then you probably wouldn't be, then you'd let me have him. But, it, you know, <coughs> we'll see about that. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, mm-hmm. so Alec Manoa, give me your thoughts. We'll, we'll finish with him. I think I'm in. I think I'm in at him at his ADP. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think I'll have a lot of, or maybe any shares because I'm not really ahead of the ADP on him. Um, he's the projections don't, he's, he's, he's a Rias actually. He's the same thing. The projections don't like him. All he yeah. does since he's been in the majors is pitch well and have low ratios and, and his strikeout rates fine, but not that good. That's, that's Julio Rias. I think, uh, there's a common thread. The common thread is the strikeouts have gone down. Yep. Um, yep. On both the, of them. Yep. Uh, and even if you want to throw in Darvish too, a strikeout rate at least has gone mm-hmm. down mm-hmm. Uh, too. So I, I think that's why systems red flag that perhaps despite, and mm-hmm. I almost wonder if sometimes these pitchers, I maybe not pitching quote unquote to contact, but they're trying to be more efficient throwing in, in the zone a little bit yep. more. That might change this year, by the way, with the shift rules. We might see pitchers less inclined to pitch to contact and more Maybe. inclined to try to get strikeouts. So I'm kind of curious to see what happens with that. Yeah, I, and both 
Urias and Manoa are pitchers who traditionally their ERA estimators are always way higher than mm-hmm. their ERA. You know, Manoa is FIP in his career is almost a full run higher than his ERA. Urias is about 65 points higher. So there are two pitchers who just, yeah, the estimators don't line up with the actual production. Um, the other thing about Manoa that's different than Urias is um, Manoa is a horse. Like he is six, six, He's listed at 6'6", 260. Like, he threw 196 innings last year in his first, like, full season in the majors. Like, that guy is a horse. Like, he's not Sandy Alcantara, probably, as far as innings go. But, like, he is going to give you – if he's good, he's going to be pretty valuable because he's going to give you a lot of innings. And we talk about strikeout rate a lot, but if he throws 200 innings this year – like he's going to get 185, 190 right, strikeouts. Right, you're kind of bowling it with innings, yeah. That's right. So he gets his 185 strikeouts in 200 innings, and then while well, Spencer Strider will still blow that out of the water, I was going to say maybe someone like Verlander gets his strikeouts in 165 innings. Right. Manoa gets them in in more innings. So like Manoa, yeah, he, he is he is a we we don't see those guys all the time. Like a big horse of a pitcher. I don't want to say CC Sabathia because that's like. Like he's not there. Like like Sabathia was really good, um, but that's kind of what I picture a little bit. Like just a really big can throw a lot of innings type of pitcher. It's too early to say that with Manoa. He hasn't pitched in the majors long enough to say that he's really durable yet. Right. But he's off to a really good start that way. And yeah, sure. and it, like I said, like the ERA estimators hate him, but I watched almost all of his starts as a Blue Jays fan, and man, he seems under control. In that game, that last year he felt, I felt like he felt under control all the time. Just yeah, deep into games, getting one out after another, never seemed rattled. He fell just short yeah. of 200 innings last year. There yeah. were eight pitchers that actually did get to 200 innings. I'm surprised there was that many, uh, mm-hmm. but he, he was next on the list at 196.2. But he did feel under control. I, I had him in both mains. I love him. Yeah. Yeah, so I so I'm actually yeah I'm now I'm kind of talking myself into him. Good, um, good. There's another and, guy, and he is and he is like Arias. He's the kind of guy who you get at a discount because, especially early in draft season, but maybe the whole time because so many drafters use the use the projection systems. Yeah, right, and, and, and for good reason, of, they're good. Absolutely, absolutely. So, but if you can find a guy who the projection systems seem to not catch, they seem to be kind of missing him. And that's what's so far the last couple of years with Arias, like that's what's been happening. Yeah. So if, if Manoa's another one of those guys, we talked last week about Kyle Hendricks, who <laughs> like eventually someone, people were left holding the bag on him. But for years before that, people were making money off him. Yeah. I, I made a point of going off on that. And then he, yeah, that was a year. Then he there, stunk. But, but, the, but for years, people, <laughs> people, but for years, people were making money off him. The projection systems hated yeah. him. A lot of the experts came on and said, do not draft this guy. And then he'd just go up and throw up another like three RA type season. And you got him in round seven or something like that. So, right. so I, I don't know. Manoa could be another one of those guys, maybe for another year or two where until he puts together a couple more seasons like this, and then everyone just universally, if he does actually, I guess if he does what he did last year, again, he's a top 10 starter next year. For sure. No matter what the projection systems say about him. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I tend to agree. And then by that point, then the projection systems have a chance to be right. So that's right. Exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, How about wait before before we end? Manoa yeah. or Gosman? Just because they're teammates. I think I go Manoa. Yeah. Uh, I don't like how Gosman had that stretch last year where he was pretty shaky. He was so awesome early on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I I I'm gonna go Manoa here. Yeah, I find them fascinating because Manoa had one of the better BABIPs in baseball and Gosman had one of the worst. Right, 363. Yeah, I just saw that. To 245, and they're on the same team. <laughs> just that's so weird. weird. It but is. that also shows, like, it, it. I think that's also part of Gosman's arsenal, though, too. Yep, yep. Um, yep so. Yeah, he's always been a little bit of a high BABIP guy, for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. So it's just that that 364 last year is, that's not... Like that, that's got to regress. Yeah. I think, I think, I think and, he's going to be similar to last year. Like he was three thirty five last year. I wouldn't be surprised if he's like three twenty this year, maybe a mm-hmm. little better, mm-hmm. especially because the balance schedule, maybe better outfield defense, blah, 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 something like yep. that. Yep. But, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I think that's, I, 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 I think I'll end up with some Gossman too. I'm not against taking them. Yeah. I have their projections like, pretty pretty close to dead even yeah with the two of them like yeah and some other guys in there luis castillo etc like i have some of those guys in with them too indeed yeah all right man i think that's going to cover it we'll do next tier aces or something like that or maybe labor draft pep next week we'll help you get help you uh size out your middle rounds now uh when we do next week here and then two weeks from now we're going to do the draft live we'll live stream at least a couple of the a couple hours of the draft so uh Good stuff. I want to thank all of our uh, sponsors, especially I want to thank Fantrax, thank uh, and Underdog for uh, joining us today. And uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we got James Anderson tomorrow. I've got uh, I've got uh, a little bit of Raz Slam talk with uh, with Mike Alexander on Thursday on Thursday morning. So I'm excited about that one as well. Thanks guys for listening. We'll be back at you next week. Take care.